Welcome to the Perspectives Podcast. My name is Bruce. Thank you for joining again. If you have been listening the last few weeks, I want to say thank you to friends out there who have sent little notes and of encouragement. That's been really cool. It makes it all worthwhile to know that there's some folks out there that are actually listening. And I promised my kids I'd never say like and subscribe. So I'm not going to do it. But if you want to share, if you feel like there's a podcast that would really encourage someone in particular, please help share it just for that purpose, to be an encouragement. And I wanted to say one thing. The guest that I'm about to interview today, his name's Radish. He is an NGO leader, an innovator, missional thinker. He's also a pastor here in Cluj, Romania. And it got me thinking of the different ways in which we are all bringing light and salt, as Jesus said, the kingdom was through us in this time that's so unpredictable. There's so much uncertainty happening right now. Winter's coming, all the news with the various energy crisis takes, the war in Russia continues, inflation, the political crisis seemingly everywhere. We have such an amazing hope. And I hope that these conversations encourage you in that hope that Jesus from the Father has come into this world, our Creator put on flesh and walked this earth with us. He loves us. He's with us. This world is broken, but it's being mended. And it's being mended through you and I every day when we put on this faith and we become love. We become faith and we care. We care about people and we get into their lives and not as perfect people, people that have all the answers, but those that are being healed and those that are being loved and being filled and mended ourselves. And so I hope that these conversations encourage you. They are teaching me a lot about myself. When I go back to edit some of these podcasts, I am just amazed how many times I say, um, and ah, and I don't just directly ask the question. I think in these circles. It's been a humbling experience. I'm thankful for it. I hope that maybe I can get better at this. But I just want to encourage you that you are loved. And I've been encouraged the last few weeks, even in the midst of all this chaos, as I hear some of these stories as well. God is writing a story, co-authoring with us. And our responsibility is simply to let him in, let him write, and let him have his way. Because he truly does love us and he has the best interest for not just for us, but the world around us. Let's be culture makers. Let's bring the kingdom like Jesus did. Humbly and one foot at a time. One person, one heart at a time. So thank you for listening and let's get to our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Radish. Thank you for the invitation. So Radish and I haven't known each other very long but uh, I, I just was practicing his last name, Radish Kalugar. Yes, that's And good. he is telling me that it actually means monk. Uh-huh. So tell me about growing up with the name Radish the Monk. <laughs> yes, um, even in the, in the school sometimes the teacher teaches me about about this, you know, holy monk, come to the front. You know, come in the, <laughs> to the front. 
and also when um, I was in army, I work in a monastery, and the monks uh, from there they say, "Hey, but this has to be from God, so you have to come and become a monk." Okay. And I say, "No way! <laughs> this is not my call to be a monk." Um, well, y- you are pretty close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some they say yes. Tell us about growing up in Romania. Yeah, just give us a, an overview of your life and childhood. So uh, I lived uh, nine years in the communism. So I'm born in eighties. Uh, so the revolution came in Romania in eighty nine. I even remember I was uh, at the cinema with my sister. She's two years uh, older than me, and my father came, you know, and running uh, after us and telling us, "Hey, the revolution starts. You have to come home." So this was before Christmas, and uh, then uh, all these days in the Christmas times, we stood in the house and we heard, you know, the guns and the, you know, the noise in the in the in the flat. What I remember in that times, it was the times with my father when I have to go in the morning, five o'clock, to stay in line, for the store to to be open, and then the store was open only at eight. So you have to wait for the truck with the food to come. So when the when they open a, a small gate, you know that everybody run in the store because in that times when the food is uh, done, you go home without food. So parents needs to take their children to prove that you are more many in the families because they give you by ra- ration. I mean, uh, if you are a family with two children, they give you as much as is in the family. Where in Romania were you? So I was in uh, Cluj-Napoca, where we are now. I okay. was born in the in this city. So my parents, they have a normal job in the factory. In that times, everybody worked in a factory. <laughs> Not like today, you don't find people to work in a factory anymore. Uh, in Romania, maybe all the youth want to be in the offices. They had a, a normal job. Uh, I didn't say that we struggle so much with money, but the problem is even if you had money, you didn't have for what to spend because the stores was empty uh, almost all the time. There was a bread store and it was a meat store. So you have to stay in line <laughs> one day for bread and one day for meat. So you're eight years old. You you still have vivid memories of yes. this, this period. Yes. Um, take us through... The next few years, what was that like? The so the transition, I mean, um, after the revolution, the first years, it was a hard transition even for the Romania. Um, but as a kid, I have, a, I can say I have a nice childhood. In my grandparents living 30 kilometers from Cluj, I always was there in the summer and I have uh, another seven cousins and we have mm-hmm. great time there, you know, helping our grandparents in the with the work in the in the field, and then um, in my teenagers, um, uh, I come from an Orthodox family. Now we switch to the spiritual part. My grandma, she still alive. She's ninety two. She still is uh, Pentecostal. Wow. So we um, have that in common. We have yeah. grandmothers still alive uh-huh. that will go to their grave as Pentecostals. Oh, good. <laughs> Grandmas, if you're listening, we love you. Yes, and may, we, we may share you. some things that maybe don't agree with. That's okay. <laughs> I just visited my grandmother yesterday, and she is a lovely woman. She has nice stories uh, from the now, war and everything. Are, are your parents still alive? Yes, my parents uh, live with my grandma now in the village. 
they uh, used to live in the city, but here in Romania, it's like when you are retirement, you have a house that belongs yes. to the family in the village from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And many of, uh, of the families, they don't sell at that house. That will stay in the family for generations. Right. <laughs> I may move there when I'm retired. <laughs> That's interesting. So would you consider it a traditional Orthodox family? We, I cannot say we were traditional. We didn't like so much to, to be engaged, you know, in the Orthodox religion. We went uh, more in our time, we went to the Pentecostal church, but in with friends, uh, we consider ourselves Orthodox because maybe you know from Ukraine, when you say Ukraine, you say Orthodox. When you say Romanian, you say Orthodox. And we didn't want to stay away of our friends. When I was 12, um, it was a time when the first uh, non-denominational church started in town. So first my sister joined that church in worship, in praise and worship, singing, and then we we went to that church and and I remember when I was 12, 13, uh, going for Sunday school. I love to be in the Sunday school and I have great two ladies, teachers, sisters that uh, take care of us. And we were a group of boys from from uh, from uh, my neighborhood that we always went to church because we love, you know, this uh, Sunday school. And then... Um, um, I was also having my bad times when I have not been in, in church and, and being away of church. But it was like a teenager, you know, back and forth. <laughs> so during these teenage years, what was life like in Romania? Oh, it was a good life already. But it was hard. People didn't have so much money, you know. Seven, eight, nine, ten years after the revolution, people were still struggling. I mean, even now, after 30 years, people are struggling, but there are more opportunities. In that time, it was few opportunities, and the corruption was big. Mm-hmm. Big, big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that for, for Romania, maybe for other countries also, it that in the politic uh, went also some people that were been before uh, in the politic in the communists, and uh, even now there are. I think that even now we have in Romania people in the politic as a politician that they have been communists, and then so the transition time uh, we are still I can say in the transition time and and I always compare with the forty years you know being in 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 the wilderness. And I think that the generation needs 40 years for, for a change in mentality and everything. So now, slowly, things I can see that maybe come uh, in the politics more young people with new vision. But I think that uh, if I look to Slovakia, Hungary and Poland, they are in front of us. Also because they also, in, in this country, revolution was uh, earlier than in Romania, so they had time. With, with everything but many say that now Hungary they go back you know <laughs> mm-hmm. or so and they said that in Romania it's maybe much much more freedom but it's not so much control you know those people in power uh, really know how to stay in power they know once they get <laughs> it or if they don't stay they will bring their nephews and children right. and, and 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 there will be a, a continuity I said maybe in the yeah. same way with corruption and and everything Mm. Yeah, I think our listeners can identify with the generational mentality and those in power. Mm -hmm. 
we'll, we'll get back to some of the Soviet influence and, and Romania's response during the war has been incredible. And I know that's where you've been focused the last six months heavily. I want our listeners to hear about this. It's back. already six months. It's been six months today. Yes. Wow. It's the anniversary. I didn't Today's know. The, uh, huh. Well, the podcast <coughs> will release uh, mm-hmm. next week, but it's been six months and unbelievable how time is. Mm-hmm. It's like coming up from the ocean under the water mm-hmm. and looking around, catching your breath, and the reality's changed. Yes. It's been, it's been such a wild time. But mm-hmm. before we get to some of the present uh, world where Radish is living and working and serving, I, I want to go back to your journey of faith. Mm-hmm. So you raised Orthodox, you or culturally orthodox yes. uh-huh. and yet now you're being influenced by a message um mm-hmm. a reality of jesus mm-hmm. uh, coming to earth and a personal relationship yes. so tell us about your your personal relationship with god as you look back mm-hmm. at Rarish, the teenager yeah. what was god doing was there any specific moments that he spoke to you or uh introduced himself mm-hmm. to you I saw the providence of God in my life in those times when I was a teenager. I remember a specific uh, day and time, and it was the beginning of January. My birthday was uh, coming, to I will turn 19, and um, I felt that I play games with God. Uh, and really, I had been with my, my friends for the new year. I was strong and I told them, strong being, that I will give up, you know, all, the, all my life and I, I will focus on God with, and I will, I will live for God, you know. And, and my, my, my friends, they laugh on me, you know, and they say, ah, okay. They knew that I go to church time to time, but they knew how I am. I was, you know, very out loud. I was always joking always liking to party and I was in front always you know and uh, I I decided to baptize on my birthday and uh, when I told my parents they was shocked and they called the pastor and says hey don't do that he's not prepared pastor says now no now is his time if I don't do now with him I don't think that maybe later I will not have the chance in that times for me being an orthodox it was you know that moment that you switch i didn't do it because i have to nobody asked me i i felt and even now i know that it was another starting point for me but very important you know that helped me a lot that that was the the, the starting point of um, 19 i was 19 i invite my friends to my birthday and they didn't know that i i i did the baptist and when they came, and because I do it in my flat, you know, my parents' flat, and they came and they say, hey, Rarish, uh, they saw the lots of people there, and they say, hey, we have a surprise for you, you know, uh, a new club opened, and then we will go tonight, go you know, let's go party, it's your birthday. And, uh, and then it was somebody there and said, Rarish can't go anymore, maybe where you go, but you can come where he's going. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with my life, really. And even now I said that I was saved by, by God. In that moment when God showed in my life, then I start to dream big. And then I, I know that everything that even now I am or I do, it's because of his call in, uh, in my life. I felt that I have to go to army. 
I mean, they didn't call me, but I, I said that um, I feel that I have to do that. In, in that time, the army was uh, mandatory, so you need to go for one year. Uh, so I joined the army for one year, but my goal was to preach the gospel. So I joined the army only with this goal in mind that I will be there for one year only to preach the gospel. And it, it happened. I have great stories uh, and, and I experienced God in, 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 in miracles, ways and, and sharing to a crowd or, I mean, it was really, uh, God was used, you know, my time there because I put this time aside, you know, for, for him to, to go there and share the gospel. Um, so I came back from the army and then I met an uh, American missionary. For six months I have a normal job and I prayed. And in this time God spoke to this missionary, Matt uh, Elliot, to call me to be part as, from his team as uh, the first uh, you know, team player of his mission. That uh, and uh, I joined him, and uh, I started a journey of faith, being my mentor and the the one that influenced a lot my my spiritual life. Then uh, Matt uh, moved uh, to my parents' village, and his desire was to preach the gospel to these villages uh, until the mountains. So he bought the horse and the wagon. In those time, I didn't know that I will walk in the footprints of uh, Wesley. And then I will become a Methodist because in that time was no Methodist in, in, in Romania. And all his principles and teachings that he taught us was coming from the Wesleyan part, you know. I mean, caring for the marginalized people and caring for the widows and orphans. And he implemented this in, 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 our, in our hearts and even until today we care about this. <laughs> Going from village to village, the first question where the people ask me, and in Romania is like this, what is your church? You know, from what church you are coming? Uh, in that time, I was part from a charismatic church. What to tell to the elderly people in the village, charismatic, not even in the city people knew what it's a charismatic, you know. You know, as a personality, but not maybe as a denomination or, you know. And I didn't want to have my identity in, in, in that. And it not was me, you know, and I knew that, but I want to find my way. I was so upset, you know, then, and I, I went back from an evangelism tour that we did every year, and, and then I was so frustrated that I can't tell the people what I'm really, I am. So I asked God, and in one night I stayed and I prayed, and I say, if you don't tell me what I am, I will not go back to these people. So tell me what to tell them. When I go and they ask me what I am, why to tell them? And I hear very clear, you are a born-again Orthodox. You know, go with this message. That uh, gave me so much freedom. You know? And then for the first time, I was so eager to go and, and, and tell the people what I am. You know? mm. And then the people, they didn't know what it's born again. In the Orthodox tradition, they didn't talk too much about this. It's born from the heaven. Even it's existing in the, in the tradition of the Orthodox, you know, fathers, they talk about this, but they lost this. And other lost this, even we as Methodists, maybe in, the, in America, many churches, they lost this, you know, but this is so, so important. The only thing that the, the people need to come in a relationship with God is to be born from, from above. 
So I went with this message and I remember I had been in a village and it was a celebration, orthodox celebration, and, and everybody was home. So I went from house to house with the team and, and I remember that I, stayed, I stood on a bench up because I can't look further, you know, the people, there was a crowd. For the first time I have a big crowd and I have a cross Know, and uh, I tell the team, hey, now, from now on, we are born again Orthodox. So this is our message, you know. They receive so much, so good, the, the gospel and everything, only because we identify with, with, well, you, with them. You were not a foreigner coming. You were Radish, the Romanian. Yes. Within the context of the culture. Yes. So how powerful. I wish the West would learn <laughs> these ways. Were you wearing the collar? No, no, the, no. Did you no, grow a I, long I, beard? I, no, no, no. I wear only cross, and that's that was a sign that we are the same, you know. Wearing a cross, a simple cross, and, and also we took crosses and we give them as a gift to the people. They took the crosses, but all the brochures that we have, they wanted to have. Until that time, we tried to... to give them the brochure with some messages and they say, no, no, you are a Jehovah Witness or I don't know what, right. you know. We don't want to read your stuff, you know. But when we were going there as, we are Orthodox. You know what's mean an Orthodox? To sure. be right with God. So we all have to become Orthodox in our beliefs. Mm-hmm. We all need to be right with God. So it's, it not was something that we made up. It was truly that I found in me that I need to be right with God and have a right standing and his righteousness. And, and then I can tell the others because they didn't know what's mean to be an orthodox. You can educate them on more than just the cultural relevance of orthodoxy, the rituals, but the, the meaning. The meaning. The Isn't that what Jesus meaning. did as he yes. comes to his own people, to the Jewish people? Uh-huh. He had to actually help them see not just the letter of the law, but the spirit. Mm-hmm. within it. Tell me the response of the Orthodox Church as you come in. Were you seen as an imposter or what? <laughs> so I, I, I start, uh, I plant a, a new church in town in Cluj where I am now and, and I say born again Orthodox. I have been uh, to a funeral. It was an army general. He was not a believer actually but his daughter came to, to my church and, and she asked me to go and, and to do the funeral. She told to the other priest that was in charge with uh, you know the cemetery and everything that a born again Orthodox priest will come and he was like what's that you know. <laughs> And, and uh, I was there, you know, with the collar and the shirt. In that time, I have not been yet a, a Methodist. I have not been confirmed by nobody, you know. I confirm myself. I'm a born-again Orthodox priest. Here I am. This is my call. And I did the, the funeral. So the real, I mean, Orthodox that was looking for an evangelical church, for them was a good step because they felt safe in in our environment because right. we didn't judge them. You were not opposed. Yes. You're just trying to bring more. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And, and and others, they was drawn by the name. Oh, well, what's this? I have never heard about. Uh, and let's go and see. The difference between the Catholic Church, the primary difference is the Catholic Church and then the Roman Orthodox. To a Westerner, they look very similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you say are some of the distinctives between the two? Orthodox. Their emphasis, it's a lot on resurrection. So the most important thing for the Orthodox is the resurrection. And even you can see in the church. On the Roman Catholic, the emphasis is the birth of Jesus. 
always when you are in a Roman Catholic church, you see, you know, the mother of God with a child and and everything, you know. And but for the Orthodox, uh, this uh, I mean, resurrection, it's 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 something that uh, that they all look for, you know. And and even the holy, the, I mean, the the celebration of the resurrection, it's one of the most uh, important celebration for an Orthodox, and even they live with this expectation. In uh, Orthodox liturgy, for three hours they stay there and they don't move. Even my children say, uh, "Daddy, I- I'm 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 glad that I'm not an Orthodox because I don't know if I can stay still for three hours and not move." But why? Because it's an expectation. Because they don't know when in the time of the liturgy, you know, God will show up. So you are there and you have this expectation of God coming and, and, and meet you. So you, that's why you stay there and you are concentrated. And, and, and I love this image, you know. On the other side, the Roman Catholic, they, they stay, they wait until when? Until the priest take out the body and, and, and the blood of Jesus. And that's the moment when you know that Jesus is present. And then everybody is there with their mind and soul thinking that they will meet God, you know. So in the Orthodox, the expectation, it's always, for the Orthodox, it's mystical, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a lot what it's happened behind the veil. And you don't know when God is it's working, and that's why you have to be present there at the liturgy, because there God will show up. I don't know how yeah. it's for us as evangelical, right. and even now I, I put this question, because we don't have this expectation maybe coming to church. It's more emotional then, you know, being there, you know, present with your mind, your soul, your spirit, and, and thinking that God will meet you there. I think in a future podcast, we can come and talk more about Orthodox practice theology mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. been fascinating for me over the last few years. And you're right, like the Catholic Church, you'll see Jesus hanging on a cross. Mm-hmm. You won't see that as much in, Rome, in uh, Romanian mm-hmm. or Ukrainian mm-hmm. Orthodox, Slavic Orthodox. Uh, it's an empty cross. Mm-hmm. It's resurrection. Mm-hmm. And the liturgy, for those in the West that are mostly in evangelical circles, they don't really understand or haven't been taught that the liturgy is the same liturgy that's been passed down mm-hmm. from the early 1st, 2nd century church. Yes. That's why ortho, right, right worship. Right worship, right? yes. They are maintaining kind of the order of service, which goes through the whole gospel. For one year, it's the reading of the, the old gospel. Yeah. In a calendar year, yes. you're getting the whole mm-hmm. gospel mm-hmm. Uh, it, it preached through the actual liturgy. Mm-hmm. And so when it's in another language, it's hard to understand what's, <laughs> what's taking place. It was hard beautiful. for the Romanian because it was Slavic until, um, I mean, a uh, year of, I don't know, thousand or thousand something. So that's why... Romanian, it's a Latin language, but we have a lot of Slavic words in because of the liturgy, you know, Orthodox liturgy that okay. was in Slavic for so many. Because here was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so the Reformation was present here. In Romania, Reform and Catholics are most of them, they are Hungarian. We have Greek Catholics, but Greek Catholics have Orthodox liturgy, and that's a little bit different wow, story. Wow, quite, 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 quite a mix. <laughs> yeah. There have been some ministries, you know, maybe coming from a Wesleyan background, but not Methodist, United Methodist or Methodist, you know. And so the bishop came to visit us in that time where we were born-again Orthodox. 
So he stayed, he stood with us and he, he watching, watching us, what we do and, and uh, how we are. And, and he said, but you are Methodist, but you don't know. And it was real like this. I have not knew that it can be a, a denomination that let me to manifest myself without put me in a box. And, and when the bishop came, he says, I will, I'm not here to take something from you. I'm here to add if I can add. So for me, this was a relief. I said, hey, but you cannot take this from me. You say, I'm a wild guy. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't do things like the church, you know, do things. Sometimes I'm out of, of this, you know. But he said, that's not a problem. And then uh, he says that if I want to go to a seminary in Estonia, because we have seminaries only in Estonia and in Germany. In that time, in 2011, they opened a program, an English program for a distant study. So I was there studying with Russian, Estonian, Finland and other. But what was for me so beautiful and nice, you know, that I have teachers from different backgrounds. So I experienced different kind, even Orthodoxy, Greek Catholic, Catholics or so this opened my mind uh, in, in a way that uh, I, want, I, I, I want this kind of experience, you know, in, in a seminary or in a place that will not put me in a, you know, doctrine right. and, and to stay there. Here's you know? the system, here's yes. your beliefs, here's your <laughs> church service. It's a structure, service. you'll do everything like we this. call it church in a box. Here's, yes. your, here's your franchise model. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yes, so... That's that's really beautiful. So God ha- allowed you to hold these different ideas and actually interact with them, uh, but you had the freedom to come back to Romania and continue to do what was in your heart. We're in a building right now, and so I'm going to ask you to mm-hmm. fast forward because we, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're nicely into the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> we're in a building right now that's actually uh, was a hotel and. Now it's full of all kinds and of... And it is a hotel. It still yeah. is a hotel. <laughs> where we are right now doing the podcast, but uh-huh. there's many NGOs and different uh, collaborative organizations that are working together, serving in many beautiful ways. Take us up to today, if you could, over the last mm. few years. I had a vision to create a community center. So I didn't want to have a building and or a church building. I said that I don't want to have a building that I open from for our programs. Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and the people will stay away of us because Methodism is nothing. It means nothing in, in Romania. The people, they don't know. Because we don't care so much about the name. Yes, we care the heritage, the Wesleyan heritage, and from the early church, from the early Wesleyan type of doing things, we, we want to go back there. And it's very interesting and even other Methodists recognized that we went back. We were um, the first United Methodists um, uh, in Romania. I brought the Methodists in Romania, you know, and we went back to the roots because there is our heart, you know, to stay with marginalized, to preach to the widows, to the orphans. We have orphanages. We work in this direction. I remember it was a Sunday morning. We were in a garage with the church that I planted. And uh, at the end of the program, we gathered a few, few people and we started to pray. And I start to pray for everything that is now in this building. Hotel, more NGOs that we will run different projects to have a, a conference room, to have rooms for people that 
that they need, like they come for, for cancer treatment in town, to have a counseling office, to, to have a youth cafe like here. And, and I name each, each of these. Did you, you know? pray for a podcast? <laughs> no, how <laughs> do we have them? Well, I didn't know what's the bot- <laughs> podcast uh, in, in that time. So. And we were moving towards this vision. We were praying for more than six, seven years for such a things to happen. In 2016, I ran in this hotel uh, one uh, uh, conference room for our meetings. And then I rented another part until the landlord came to me and says, why don't you take the entire hotel? This was before pandemic. It was very expensive. I said, yes, I would love to have, because I think that here my vision or our vision as a church can, you know, come to life. Mm-hmm. And and then pandemic came and uh, all the hotels and everything went down. Uh, last year in, in May, we started talk again about renting the hotel and it was a a step in faith. We didn't have the money. We didn't, you know. Um, I know only that this is the place, and I know the people that I need to call to be part of this. I go to these people and I say, "If you come with me in this, I dare to go. If not, my myself, I will not do this." So the people, they were yes. Uh, we are with you, and uh, I think that this is what it's in our heart. So let's go and do this. Short than six months, everything come together. The NGOs that we want them to be here, they came. And even more, you know, uh, and came, came to be part of, of this vision. So now it's in a, li- a live place, 30 rooms, 10 for the hotels, the other for all the projects that we have here. One of the things that we didn't know is that God prepared this place for, for the war. Mm-hmm. to be a place of refugees. And even our name, because we didn't say hotel, we say Han. Han in Romanian is the old name for the hotel. And you see we have only a front gate and then a big yard. And in the old times, you know, all the horses were uh, in the in yard because okay. it was a, a, a safe place for the night. Yeah, when you come here, it feels like you really are stepping back into the middle ages mm-hmm. it's not a horse it's your car <laughs> yes you're, par- <laughs> you're parking in the courtyard we would call it and and so yeah it really is a little haven a little hub you talked about the war you have vision you have ideas <laughs> but then russia invades ukraine yes tell, tell us what's mm-hmm. going through your heart and mind in those first so days we have the first uh, ukrainians they they book a room through booking so we have the second day of war in 26, 27 of February. Already we had two families in the hotel. And we get in touch with them and then we told them that, hey, uh, please tell your friends or uh, spread the news that this is a place where people can come and, and we will accommodate for free. We will give uh, free meals. And, and, and so the, the news spread. We had, uh, until now, we had around 160 uh, Ukrainian that were transitioning here. Some they stood here and they, some they are here. They didn't know where to go. You know, many of them, they flee from Ukraine going through West. They were thinking they will stay one night, two nights to rest in the hotel. And then they will go somewhere in the West. But because they meet us and they see that, okay, we are here and we support, they find a flat, we find schools for their children, and some of them, they choose to, to stay in Cluj, and, and they really, they love this city and this place. 
I see online and the different social media posts. And I also know because we share uh, the same driver for some yes. of our projects. <laughs> Velodia, Privet, uh-huh. if you're watching or listening, uh-huh. you have been doing a lot of humanitarian aid uh, through different partners, but mm-hmm. to different parts of Ukraine. From the beginning, mm-hmm. it seemed like, yeah. even until the past week or two, what? Yes. H- how did that come about and and how much time is that taking in your world? We have been like prepare also with the logistic and um, even when uh, I call Anka, my colleague, to be a manager of a meeting point, the, the place, you know, here. And, and she says that, Radish, we need a soft of uh, 8,000 euro. The war came, you like know. Like an emergency fund. Yes, okay. emergency fund, but also it helped us to report and to be very transparent with our, right. you know, donors. So when the war came, people want to donate, also companies, but they want uh, reports for their money. They want everything to be, you know, uh, uh, very transparent and everything. So we have been prepared. And even we said, oh, we can receive money as much as you want to send because we are transparent. We have this software. It helps us to know exactly where the money went and everything. So really, I saw God, you know, that sometimes you have to plan you have to be prepared to hold what God is giving to you. Mm-hmm. You can ask resources, you know, but what you do with that resources, you know, mm-hmm. and how God can use you and, and your people or the logistic that you have so you can hold on what he gives to you mm-hmm. to be good administrators. So I saw God in, in this because was where companies from Ireland or other places, France, that they call us. Because they hear that we do these transports and they wanted to, to, to do it through, through us. So yes, the first transports we sent to uh, brothers and sisters Methodists in Ukraine because they all run from uh, uh, in Uzhgorats close to our border. So we, we start to send uh, weekly transports with food. But then uh, when we receive more Ukrainian here from Odessa, from Slavutish, from other places... They have been people that have been uh, with influence in their places and they say, hey, the government asked us this or the hospital in Odessa asked maternity in Odessa, orphanage in Odessa. We have an orphanage from Kiev that we move him here and now it's, uh, it's uh, 150 kilometers from Cluj where we have an orphanage that we take care of this orphanage so it was amazing how god worked you know and and put us in touch with with people with ukrainian now we have uh, four ukrainian employees uh, have uh, projects for the next two years we even win a eu project for for the ukraine for with a psychologist to offer support and we were we realized after two three months that uh, we need to to plan for long term because the war we will not stop. Mm-hmm. So we were thinking, let's do projects for long term. We need to help the community. That's a different mind <laughs> mindset, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. The first response period was so much chaos. Yes, it was. Everybody wants to help, and it was even we received so much money for food for you know. Right. And then I, I said, okay. I can use this money very easily. You know, in one week I can send, right. I send once, I send 7,000 euro transport, you know, only once, you know, in, in one area with food. And I said, yes, people need food. I don't say that. And we have to do this. But also 
we have now inclusion. Uh, I think that maybe thousands of Ukrainian we have inclusion. You know that you work with them, and they are here. They are lost. You know, they need jobs. Also, you have yesterday a meeting with uh, with those that they want to start a business, and they have so a problem that they cannot start a business because they don't have an address in Romania where to start their business. So we were thinking, hey, let's help these people to help their people. Right. <laughs> Yeah, to establish themselves and those that are starting their lives. It's a completely different way of serving and helping. Yes. And so it's been hard because the war continues. Kind of have to pick and choose. Are we... That's res- hard. ...response <laughs> to suffering immediately, or are we going to try and help a few people really get on their feet? And that's been very difficult and frustrating. I also remember the first few times we were talking... There's, you know, the elderly, the disabled, uh, really those that nobody wants to help. Mm. You know, it's one yeah. thing to take, you know, some young, you know, 20, 30-year-old women, maybe a single mom with a kid, yeah. but to, to take someone in a wheelchair, to yeah. bring someone who wets the bed or needs a caretaker yeah. full-time. This has been deeper level of serving that I've seen you, your uh, team, taking on saying yes to but you're limited you're oh, not you're not the UN we look at these big NGOs yes. that are just multi-million hundreds of staff but i'm convinced my perspective only <laughs> is what i've seen and continue to see individuals small uh, groups of people churches believers charity mm-hmm. folks doing hundreds of things everywhere mm-hmm. orchestrated by yeah. god i think i mean in the end, I think we'll look back and see the providence mm-hmm. of God, not with these huge, you know, yesterday I saw, I saw another three billion of aid or something, mm. you know, or whatever. These numbers are so astronomical, yeah, yeah, yeah. but who takes care of that man in the wheelchair? Who takes care of that uh, grandma who doesn't have a home yeah. to go back to and is too old to go to work? So the Romanian... Or who will bury the Ukrainian We uh, one month ago, this, you know, that... We have in a monastery uh, near Cluj, uh, elderly people. One of the elderly men died. His wife was there, you know. So you have to take care of everything, of right. his funeral. So the cost with the funeral was 1,500 euros. Because we have to bury him in Romania. We cannot send him back to Ukraine. It's very, very expensive to do this. So this is things that... All the things you don't think about. You don't think about, but... You need to care about this. Somebody's (laughs) time. And I just say that for our Western friends that like, thank you so much for. Yes. The first few months was so much financial relief. It was great. But as ministries and charities are moving on, the work is still there. Mm -hmm. And so volunteers are still needed and finances are still needed, but they're not for the same things necessarily. But thank you to everyone who's given. And each one of us will do our parts and and it's important for those that okay i'm in america what can i do i i can support the ministry and that's great also you are you are also part because without this money we cannot really help thing we also have now a grant from america that we want to integrate the 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 teenagers in the romanian communities because they want to do a school in cluj only for ukrainians and then they will be isolated so we will give for 40 youth for six months we will pay a sports activity a music 
or something that they did and they, they love in Ukraine and they want to continue here. So we will put them in touch with uh, those music, sports, soccer places where they can continue to do what they love to do, but also to be integrate them in the Romanian society because some of them, they don't have where to go back. Their houses are <laughs> not anymore in place, you know. And, and these are our vision and plans. It's what we will do for the people here, but not only for now, but for the future to help them to, to, to feel safe. We, we did two camps for Ukrainians, and your daughter was also Ukrainian, American, Romanian, so, so they can feel that they are, they are part mm-hmm. of, of the community. Do you have vision outside of Ukrainians? This wasn't what you thought you were going to be no, doing no. five years ago, two years ago, last year. We want to create here a, a space, you know, where for the community. That's why we are here in a coffee place for teenagers. So here we will continue with our activities for teenagers. Uh, so uh, the activities that we did until the war, war we continue with the rooms for uh, for people coming for treatment in, in Cluj and, and all the other. We have um, an, a project with the orphans that they go out of the orphanage. We have a two years program here for the girls, six girls. We, we, they are already some of them, they stay here, they work for us. One in the, at the first desk, one helping uh, with the breakfast. So, uh, and also the vision with the church because the church is part, integrated part. It's true that even the Ukrainian now, they are coming to church. Uh, I mean, I talk about Ukrainian that have not been uh, used with this kind of church. They were Orthodox and, and believers that maybe it's the first time when they come in touch with uh, maybe an with born again Orthodox. <laughs> born again Orthodox, but work for them and they are uh, happy. They come every Sunday, and but now we need to switch because they need translation and and the vision continue and our hearts for the community and what we want to create in. in place will will go on but now the ukrainian uh, it's part of of our community they have their own programs they have their own meetings where we try also to be part or the romanians or we have a one wednesday night dinner for the ukrainian where we try to bring also romanians and 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 to have Mm -hmm. this community Mm -hmm. type of things well we share that heart and i I, for creating space and Mm -hmm. and letting people come into a welcoming loving atmosphere i think it's uh, you do it really well i think your team Thank does you. it really <laughs> well too and uh it's a joy i'm so thankful we uh, found just the friendships here in Cluj. we we haven't uh, ventured out into too much of the religious sphere for the same reasons mm-hmm. that you had early on is um yeah god has really kept us uh from being boxed into a particular set of dogma, doctrine, mm-hmm. or a way of even seeing the world, uh, constantly trying to learn and grow and be salt and light Amen. in the center of wherever we are uh, being planted. The so incarnated church. <laughs> I think that yes. we, we and every time I'm thinking about Jesus, how, you know, incarnate his ministry, you know, and, and, and this is uh, one of the mystery that we need to, to know how to 
incarnate our message, you know, in, in a way that yes. this message will pass. Theosis. <laughs> yes. I almost brought mm-hmm. the book, but that's for that's for <laughs> our uh, next podcast. Yes, we'll it's go a good beginning. <laughs> we'll go deep <laughs> introduction. Into I think we'll lose all our listeners yeah. if we keep talking about <laughs> some of that. So, uh, thank you so much, Radish the monk. Yes. Uh, thank you for um, the time, your story. And for all the listeners, I'll put uh, Radish's, uh, the name of the ministry here is Meeting Point. Mm-hmm. Probably should have said that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meeting Point. And if you're ever in Cluj or in Romania, come. Or you need a, a place for accommodation. <laughs> come to the inn. Uh-huh. There's always space at the inn yes. here at uh, the hotel and the different folks here. So thank you so much for listening.